Hello and welcome to European Pharmaceutical Reviews podcast. In this episode, we're exploring formulation and focusing on inhaled and intranasal drug and vaccine delivery with Robert O. Williams III, PhD, who goes by Bill and is the Division Head and Professor of Molecular Pharmaceutics and Drug Delivery at the University of Texas at Austin. Bill is also the Johnson & Johnson Centennial Chair in Pharmacy and Editor-in-Chief of the American Association of Pharmaceutical Scientists, PharmSciTech Journal. My name is Hannah Balfour, I'm the Assistant Editor of European Pharmaceutical Review, and I will be your host today. In this podcast, Bill will discuss the benefits of inhaled and intranasal drug and vaccine delivery, touching on its particular importance for respiratory diseases such as COVID-19, and the current formulation techniques for these therapies. We'll also touch on a novel formulation method he developed called thin film freezing. Hi, Bill. Thank you for joining me today. Can you tell me, to start off with, a little bit about your current roles and industry experience? Yes. So my current role is I'm a professor of pharmaceutics at the University of Texas at Austin College of Pharmacy. And I've been here since about 1995. I've worked for very large pharmaceutical companies in drug development for about nine years. Uh, And that was before I joined the university. And then since joining the university, I've been involved in several startup companies. And the most recently one uh, company is called uh, TFF Pharmaceuticals, which is now a, a U.S. publicly traded company. And it's built around products and a process called ThinFilm Freezing. Thank you, Bill. We will get on to talking about thin film freezing later on in this episode. But first, let's set the scene. What are inhaled and intranasal drugs and why is this method of drug delivery used? Yeah, so inhaled and nasal, uh, nasally delivered drugs. So these are drugs that are in either a liquid or a solid powder form that are administered to a patient, either to the lungs Uh, for inhaled delivery or into the nasal passageways for nasal delivery. These types of delivery routes, uh, they require a device. The device has to be used by the patient in order to facilitate administration into the, the nasal passageways or through the mouth and into the lungs. So, What are the benefits of delivering drugs or vaccines in this fashion? Why not just inject them or take a tablet? Yeah, so about probably nearly 90% of drugs that are are being developed are not water-soluble. And these drugs, if they're not water-soluble, if you or myself takes this drug into the stomach, so by the mouth, so orally administered, that drug won't dissolve. It'll, it'll just pass out through the, the gastrointestinal tract. So it's what we call as being not bioavailable. And the problem with that is that that drug in the GI tract as it passes through can cause side effects. So therefore, d- delivering it via nose or, or to the lungs uh, bypasses that and 
and often delivers it right to the site of action. Now, injectable is another uh, issue because as we know with the global pandemic crisis, you know, we're kind of hopefully over the, the hump, but now we're trying to get vaccines out. Those vaccines are injectable. They're subcutaneous or intramuscular and they require a needle and they require a syringe and special you know, equipment and storage. And those are short supply. And so if we can bypass having to actually do, uh, you know, inject these into patients where they could inhale the vaccine or the therapeutic, for example, directly to the lungs or to the nose, which is where infections usually start out. It's better to deliver those right to the site where these uh, bacteria or viruses are, are. And so therefore nasal and, and inhaled delivery has big benefits uh, compared to injectable delivery. And I suppose that targeted delivery also limits the off-target effects since the drug isn't distributed globally through the entire body via the circulatory system and instead just directed to the site where it is needed. I, absolutely. I mean, we, in my laboratory, you know, for, for the last 20, almost 25 years, that's exactly the types of drugs we've start, we have been studying where systemically they, it, you have to give too much of the drug because of poor bioavailability. And so that causes safety concerns. And so we deliver it right to the site of action. Uh, we've studied fungus infections and uh, lung transplant uh, rejection. And you get the drugs right to the site where they're needed and your systemic levels are much lower so you don't have the safety uh, issues. Drugs and vaccines delivered through inhaled and intranasal techniques have gained particular popularity with the COVID pandemic. COVID-19 is obviously a respiratory disease caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Is this why these more respiratory system focused delivery techniques have gained press? Yes. Uh, I mean, COVID, uh, we, we inhale it or, or through the nose or, or directly uh, into the lungs. And so the thinking is, and, and what we're pursuing a couple of different ways, one, trying to stabilize an injectable liquid that requires cold chain. The other is alternative routes of delivery. So creating a dry powder that, that will stabilize the protein, the biologic, that's the antigen, the vaccine, will stabilize it in a form that could be used with a commercially available, low-cost dry powder inhaler so that that vaccine, that protein, that antigen is, is directly inhaled into the lungs or directly uh, inhaled into the nasal passages where it will induce a, a mucosal immune response against that particular virus. And if it's COVID, it's, it's the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And could you tell me a little bit about why the mucosal immune response is so important? Because it's different from the circulatory immune response, and we've heard quite a lot about it. Yeah, so that it is important. And inhalation delivery of vaccines has been studied. Influenza A, it's a flu vaccine uh, from Metamune that, that's been out for quite a few years. It's an attenuated vaccine. And um, so this, this is not unheard of. And so, but it's particularly gained importance with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, uh, because if you can 
deliver the antigen as a, as a particle directly into the lungs or to the nasal passageways with some type of adjuvant, that will elicit a mucosal immune response. And that mucosal immune response, um, that, that literally is the largest lymphoid tissue in the human body. So it, it's, a, it's a very positive and immediate type of, of immune response that's desired. And obviously the mucosal layer is effectively where the virus lands to begin with. It is those layers that are first in contact with it. Right. And if that if the antibody that's generated can prevent the virus, you know, bind it and prevent the virus from even entering the body, then you, you literally don't have the infection. So that alternative route of delivery has a lot of advantages. And could you tell me what are some of the key therapies or vaccines that are currently on the market um, that are delivered by inhaled or intranasal delivery? Yeah. So, I mean, the main one is, is it's a liquid uh, attenuated vaccine uh, for uh, seasonal flu. Um, and it, it has been around probably 15 years. And that's, that's a, a, an important one. Particularly, it was uh, touted for uh, children, administering to children at schools because there was no needle and syringe that was required. And so, you know, literally they would line the kids up uh, in elementary school and the nurse would, you know, have the child two, two atomizations uh, into the, to the nose and they're, they're vaccinated. So that, that worked really well. And I suppose asthma is another major therapeutic indication for inhaled delivery with a lot of people using albuterol inhalers to control their symptoms. From here, we're going to move on into the more formulation aspects of inhaled and intranasal drug delivery. So, Bill, I've read that a lot of inhaled and intranasal drugs are formulated into liquids. However, in certain papers, you've proposed that powder formulations have several advantages. Could you explain what the benefits are, particularly for larger proteins or biologics, of having a powder formulation? Yes, absolutely. So there's basically three types of devices uh, for inhaled delivery. There's a pressurized meter dose, which requires a high pressure uh, volatile propellant. There's what's called nebulizers, which are based on water. Uh, So it's an aqueous either solution or suspension of the drug that will be nebulized or atomized over a 10, 15, 20 minute time period. And then there's dry powder inhaler devices. And so the pressurized meter dose inhaler devices, um, they're, they're pretty complicated to use. Uh, they come out at a very high velocity, the drug droplets do. So there's an issue with patients timing their inhalation breath with actuating the device. And if that's not timed perfectly, and they actuate either, you know, before the breath or after the breath, they end up with the drug in the back of the throat swallowed to the stomach instead of uh, to the lungs. And so those are, they are being studied now to translate those into another type of delivery. The nebulizers require a device or several different types of devices. They tend to be a little bit more expensive But the big thing is for patients is they require the patients to sit, so to be immobile for 
uh, as I said, 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe even a little longer in order for that slow nebulization process to get all the drug to the patient. So what has come about the, you know, the last 10, 15 years are, are delivering dry powders through dry powder inhalers to the lungs. The drugs in the powder form, they tend to be more stable. And, um, and there's some pretty inexpensive dry powder inhaler devices that are available commercially. And so my lab has been really working to try to optimize the, the characteristics of the powder such that it can be used in, in multiple commercially available, low-cost dry powder inhalers and gain the benefit of that type of delivery to the lungs. Fabulous. So, Bill, you were involved in developing a novel cryogenic um, technique to produce powder formulations, which is called thin film freezing, or TFF, we can refer to it as, which you mentioned earlier. Can you tell me a bit about this technique how does it work and sort of what are the benefits of it? Yes. So thin film freeze drying technology came out of a, a research agreement that I had with a very large chemical company, Dow Chemical Company. And we had found at the time that we needed a way to produce a, a particular powder morphology that facilitated delivery to the lungs is what, what our goal was. And what we found was, is that conventional lawfulization, which is used widely in the industry, it utilizes a very slow freezing rate. And that slow freezing rate has disadvantages in producing a, a powder for inhalation. And so we focused in on the freezing rate, which we found to be very relevant to creating this, this special morphology for inhaled drug delivery. And this freezing rate, I think of it as we're intermediate between very slow freezing of conventional lawfulization and slower than the very fast freezing of like spray freeze drying. And in this intermediate freezing rate, we get consistently a powder morphology that lends itself very well to inhaled delivery and nasal delivery. And what we found is also this, this technique produces a dry powder of biologics, proteins, peptides, and they're stable. We can uh, at least eliminate the freezing part of the cold chain. We can store those at least case in a refrigerator and, and in, in some cases at room temperature. So we've, you know, we've really had fun expanding this technology's use over the, the last five to eight years. Fabulous. And what is it about the characteristics of the particles that it creates that make them ideal for this inhaled or pulmonary drug delivery? Yeah, so the morphology that we produce, uh, we call it a brittle matrix powder. And what that means is, is the powder is produced such that it's highly shearable uh, with minimal effort, if you will. Really, the device is what controls the aerosolization and the breaking up of the powder to small particulates that can ultimately go through the patient's mouth, through the, the bend in the throat, and into the, into the lungs. So it's this ability to be highly shearable. They, the particles don't stick together. We, we hold them together in this matrix 
until they're sheared by the patient uh, breathing in uh, from the device. And coincidentally, we also found this morphology is if you have that powder in a vial, so for example, it is going to be uh, injected, it very fast reconstitutes in the order of, you know, 20, 30 seconds. So it's a, a minimal effort with trying to, to agitate the container, which is a, an advantage. And I actually recently reported on um, TFF Pharma's collaboration to develop a shelf-stable mRNA COVID vaccine. I think that's what you're mentioning is going to be injected. So could you tell me about some of the other examples of thin film freezing being used to develop powder formulations? Yes, we just uploaded a preprint that went public in BioArchive. It was a relationship collaboration with Takeda vaccine, and it was on their norovirus vaccine that they have in phase one, phase two studies. And so the issue we lay out in there is that this, it's uh, two uh, particular variants, the, the strongest variants for causing GI and, and death. And we lay out the premise that in the liquid form, even in the frozen form, that that antigen loses activity. And so the, the issue, if you think about it, um, you know, when you have your gold standard that you're going to monitor for, you know, three, four, five years through the FDA process of getting it approved. Your goal, if your gold standard is losing efficacy and activity over that time period, then that makes it hard to always go back and compare to what you started with, right? But in this paper, we showed through thin film freezing, this norovirus vaccine could be stabilized um, we're up to uh, several months at 40 degrees centigrade. Wow. And that, that's like unbelievable. So, and, and that was testing both in my laboratories here with, with my collaborator, as well as in Takeda's uh, laboratories. So, so that's another example. And that is quite amazing, given that one of the big concerns of the pandemic is how are we actually going to get, for instance, say, the Pfizer COVID vaccine that um, needed to be stored at ultra low temperatures, minus 70, minus 80. Um, how on earth are we going to get that to countries that are maybe developing, don't have the greatest supply chain set up, or are in particularly hot countries that, you know, that's an almost unbelievable temperature to try and attain. So it is amazing to hear how far we've come. And what excites you about inhaled and intranasal drug delivery? Why do you get up and go to the lab every morning? Oh, I think there's what excites me and, and my group here. And, and, and I'm just, I'm the lucky voice that gets to talk to you. But please know there's a very large research group that actually is supporting all the work. But what, what excites all of us is that there's so many opportunities to improve upon delivery systems that are out there. I mean, really, you mentioned the Pfizer vaccine, but the mRNA vaccines, they've been around a while in the literature, right? But but no one ever really solved their stability. And that limited how they were ultimately uh, delivered. You know, thank heavens we have them now uh, because they've, they've really risen to the occasion to get us out of where we are with the pandemic. But still, there's a lot of improvements that can be made to existing delivery systems to convert injectable to an inhaled or nasally 
administered, easy to, to use dry powder. So that that's where we spend our time thinking about how can that benefit our healthcare system. And where could the field of inhaled or intranasal drug delivery be in, say, the next five or 10 years, do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think about that a lot. And, um, you know, what we think about is trying to improve a patient's experience in being administered a, an inhaled or nasally administered drug. And so that, that comes in the form of collaborations with engineers who can help us uh, design uh, more efficient devices uh, that will be friendly to the actual formulation that goes within the device for that particular patient population that has whatever disease they have that might really uh, negatively affect their ability to, to use typical inhalers. And are there any unmet medical needs or existing medical challenges that you believe inhaled or intranasal drug delivery could be used to combat? Yeah, I think the, the challenges is, it, it, you know, the inhaled and nasal delivery routes of administration can really help as an alternative route for vaccines and for therapeutics of, of disease for these proteins, like these monoclonal antibodies that are being studied now. Uh, you know, it's best to deliver them right to the site where the, you know, the virus or the bacteria or fungus is, first enters the body. And so if we can get the antigen there and create that immune response right then and prevent it from being really taken up by the body, that would be the goal. So that that's an area we're, we're very active in from a research standpoint. And I definitely think one of the big things with the inhaled or intranasal thing that's garnered a lot of attention is the idea that it's very localized and therefore less potential for side effects. Because I think a lot of, say, for instance, the clotting with the recombinant vector vaccines has really put people off and has actually discouraged the rollout in some ways. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, th I think if you can, you know, keep it localized, um, it seems logical. I mean, we have to prove this, but that that would minimize the systemic side effects that that are observed in, in some patients. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time to discuss today. Thank you, Bill, for joining us and for your wonderful insights into formulation for inhaled and intranasal drug and vaccine delivery and the thin film freezing technology in particular. On behalf of European Pharmaceutical Review and Dr. Bill Williams, I'd like to thank you all for listening and we hope you'll join us for our next episode soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.